welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. Well, we welcome you to M1 Worship Online, whether you're watching the Tradition Service, the Encounter Service, or the Resonate Service, we are thrilled that you have joined us for online worship here at Magnolia's First this weekend. One of my favorite people in history is Winston Churchill. Uh, Winston Churchill was the master of the quote. Uh, some of them are quite humorous, especially uh, the ones that were a part of a running verbal feud he had with a lady named Lady Astor. One of them went this way. Lady Astor said to Winston Churchill, Sir, if you were my husband, I would poison your drink. And he came back, Madam, if, I, if you were my wife, I would drink it. <laughs> I, I wish I had that kind of quick wit. Winston Churchill's quotes were not all humorous. Some of them were in the midst of the most difficult times in England's history. During World War II, when England was being bombarded by Nazi warplanes and they were at war with the Axis powers in the midst of the, the Great World War, Winston Churchill said this, fear is a reaction, courage is a decision. We're in a sermon series entitled, When the World Gets Turned Upside Down. And today the message is, When Trouble Surrounds Us. And so I begin with a question. How do you respond when you're surrounded by trouble? When a virus is raging in your nation and you don't know to whom to to turn, to believe, and to trust what they have to say, when all of, a, of the manifestations of a pandemic are swirling around you, how do you respond? When racial, social, and political unrest are at an all-time high, and anger and animosity is flying back and forth from one side to the other, how do you respond? When the economy is in a critical and precarious state, and if it hasn't already filtered down to you, you are well aware that it could. How do you respond? You could become angry and turn that anger into an emotional crusade to attack and criticize and condemn the other side, whatever that means for you. And if that's your choice, social media is a useful platform for spewing venom. You could do that. You could turn that anger into ministry, ministry that enables people to see what Jesus would do in the midst of troubling, confusing times. You could do that. How do you respond 
when you are surrounded by trouble. If the second response that I mentioned is your chosen response, then the Scripture has much to say to you today. Last week, I shared with you uh, an email and some words that I received from my longtime friend, Pastor Bill Thompson. And he shared with us a saying he came across many years ago, and it was so powerful that I want to use it today for the big idea for our message. Don't let what you can't do keep you from what you can do. Nobody in the New Testament besides Jesus himself would be a better example of how to respond when troubles surround you than the Apostle Paul. If you follow his story in the book of Acts, from Acts 21 on through the next few chapters, the Apostle Paul has trouble surrounding him on every side. In Acts 21, he is preaching in Jerusalem, and a riot breaks out. That seemed to happen almost everywhere Paul went. A riot broke out, and uh, he is beaten, and he is arrested, and eventually he is taken to Caesarea. And finally, the apostle invokes his right as a Roman citizen to have his case heard before the Roman ruler Caesar. And so that began a journey to the capital city of Rome. And perhaps you know stories along the way. We've looked at them in past weeks, how Paul was shipwrecked and snake-bitten and spent three months on the island of Malta before boarding another ship and, and continuing his journey to Rome. And finally, he arrived in the capital city, and we see it in Acts 28, verse 16. Luke said, when we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Don't misunderstand. Though it says his own private lodging, he was in prison. Though not a dungeon, that would come later, but he was definitely surrounded by trouble. He was chained to a Roman soldier. Uh, in fact, we, we know that soldiers took shifts with the Apostle Paul, three each day, eight-hour shifts, and so he was constantly imprisoned there in Rome, and not for a short time. Acts 28 verse 30 says, for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. I find that to be amazing, though we, as we are surrounded by troubles, tend to complain about our restrictions and the aggravations and inconveniences that are part of life right now. As I said last week, we're not in prison. Paul was in prison without the freedoms that he deserved. There was so much he could not do. But the apostle did not let it keep him from what he could do. In fact, 
He saw his imprisonment as a blessing. I want you to see it in the letter that he wrote from the Roman prison to the church in Philippi, a letter that did not reflect depression from being imprisoned, but is called his letter of joy. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. He said to those early believers, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. I mean, think about it. Paul was chained to a Roman soldier really 24 hours a day, three soldiers, eight-hour shifts, and, and I don't believe it was the same three soldiers. I believe that there was a rotation throughout the whole palace guard. You'll see that in the next verse that I read. And I can just imagine how for eight hours that guard heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when it came to the end of that shift, They sent in another one, and Paul started all over. I believe every one of those soldiers got a joyful earful of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what was the result? Verse 13, for everyone here, Paul said, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. Think about it. If Paul had made it about himself, then the churches from which we descend, the church in Corinth, the church in Rome, the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Colossae, the church in Ephesus, all of those churches would not have prospered and grown numerically and spiritually if Paul had not been gospel-centric committed to the mission of the kingdom of God and not his own personal rights, privileges, and comfort. Paul had a lot more to complain about than wearing masks and canceled sporting events. Instead of saying, oh, this is awful, I'm imprisoned, I don't deserve it, this shouldn't happen, I'm a Roman citizen, I'm a godly man, and on and on, this is awful. No, instead he said, this is awesome. Send in the next soldier. This is awesome. And he told them about Jesus. And the radical joy in Paul's life transformed their lives and the whole palace guard. Look at what he said the result was, verse 14. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Think about it. He didn't let the troubles that surrounded him stop him from showing Jesus to others. That's how he lived his life. And as Christ followers, that's how we are to live our lives. Paul understood it wasn't about him, for he wrote in that first chapter of Philippians, beginning with verse 20, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, he said, 
Living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. He was so oblivious to personal personal preference and comfort that he, in essence, is saying, you want to take my life? Bring it on. You're going to threaten me with what? Heaven? That's even better. What was the difference in Paul from so many today? His attitude. His attitude. What he chose to be his focus. He refused it to make it, he refused to make it about what life had done to him. Instead, it was about how he viewed life. And friends, so it is for us, for you, and for me today. And so as he was beginning to bring that letter to the Philippians to a close, he began to help them understand what had changed his attitude and changed his life and turned him into a shining light for Jesus. Philippians 4, verse 8. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. You see, it was not Paul's surroundings that shaped him. Your focus not your surroundings, determine inner peace. And so he urged them like a heavenly spiritual father. Verse 9, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. He agreed with James, the brother of Jesus, who wrote the New Testament book of James. And if you remember, one of the themes of James' book is if you just hear the word and you don't do the word, then it's less than worthless. But it's about doing what the word of God says. That changes everything. Even when trouble surrounds you, when Paul in a Roman prison was surrounded by trouble and uncertainty, his personal testimony to the Philippians who had sent to him a gift for his needs, worried that he would be in, in difficulty and, and in great need, and they had sent this need. And you know, in those days, they couldn't just email him an Amazon gift card or, or Venmo him, is that the correct term? Uh, you know, send him money. He, they, they couldn't do that. They had to send a gift with messengers and hope that they could get there and that they would not be robbed and the gift taken away. And finally, they were able to present that gift in person to Paul in prison in Rome. And so he responds to them in the letter, verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. But then... He wants them to understand that he was not in, in desperate want 
for a financial or material gift. Verse 11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. With whatever I have. I don't want you to miss this part of the message because I think it is such a current and relevant issue today. In fact, one that is not receiving the attention in the church of Jesus Christ that it deserves. Here's what I believe. The infectious virus that is sweeping the nation but nobody is talking about on the evening news is discontentment. Discontentment. People who are frustrated and upset, yes, Christ followers, and angry about this and angry about that and attacking this and even attacking one another because they see the conditions we are in differently. Dear brothers and sisters, that should not be. Paul said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And if Paul were to see Christians who are arguing over mask wearing or this or that, I believe he would shake his head and say, I I don't understand. He goes on, verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty with plenty or little. And you could put in whatever conditions or or things that would cause us to become discontent you want in that verse. Paul says none of that matters. Jesus matters. The gospel matters. Letting people see the Savior in me, that's what mattered. Paul had not succumbed to fatalism. His idea was not, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. I just have to kind of suck it up and, and deal with it. No, that was not his attitude. Even though for Paul, this was one of those, it is what it is seasons, and I can't change it. It was not hopelessness and resignation. It was spiritual tranquility. Paul was at peace Paul was content. All of the things around him couldn't change that. He said, I have learned the secret. And when he says that, isn't there just a little something in you that wants to say, Paul, tell me, tell me the, what's the secret that all the craziness, all the trouble that surrounds me doesn't change my focus. It doesn't change my heart. It doesn't steal my joy. What's the secret? And he tells us in that famous 13th verse, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I'm annoyed with this. I'm angry at that. I'm frustrated with this. You can do it through Christ. You can keep your focus. You can keep your joy. You can keep your focus on the gospel. You can do everything. You can do all things. Whatever you need to do and should do, you can do through Christ. 
and the impact that that kind of life has, just like Paul's in the midst of a Roman prison. If your inner person can be calm and content while your outer person is surrounded by trouble, it shows that he is in control. And that kind of life, my friend, makes an impact on everyone around it. Hostility and argumentativeness and anger will never win anyone to the kingdom of God. But seeing Jesus in the midst of trouble causes people to say, that person has something I need. Now, I understand we can't do this without Christ because trouble times, let's just be honest, it messes with your mind. Aren't you glad you tuned in to hear that? I mean, it does. It messes with your mind. It disorients you. It confuses you. I get all that. And so, in a letter to another young believer named Timothy, Paul had counsel. He had, he had a, a high-impact, one-sentence lesson that has huge application for our lives right now. 2 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 5. Paul said to young Timothy, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. You should keep a clear mind. Paul could look back on all kinds of situations, being shipwrecked, being beaten and left for dead, having a snake bite him and be dangling from his hand and he just threw it off and God didn't allow him to be affected or become sick and on and on and on. Paul had been through all kinds of situations and he said, listen, Timothy, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. He's saying basically, Timothy, who told you this was going to be easy? That was never my message to you young follower of Christ. Instead, hear the next sentence from that fifth verse. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Are you looking for a gospel that promises you perpetual comfort? Are you looking for a gospel that promises that things will always go the way you want them to go? Are you looking for a gospel where God explains everything that he's unfolding in your life? That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If somebody inflicts pain on you, don't demonize them, don't attack them. Instead, remember what Jesus said. Love your enemies. Let others see Jesus at you. He goes on, work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. He's saying, Timothy, keep your eye on the ball. And that's the gospel. Listen, Paul's faithfulness in a Roman prison, he had no idea the impact that his faithfulness would have. 
Paul had no idea what remaining faithful when trouble surrounded him would mean to millions of Christ's followers in the generations that followed him, including you and me. And can I say to you, you and I have no idea what our remaining faithful will mean to those who follow after us. And Paul wrote later to Timothy in a following letter, right at the end of his life. He was in a Roman prison again, but it was not a palace prison. It was a dungeon. And he said in these verses, verse 6, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Listen, when it matters more to you that God could use you than it does for your life to be easier, then you're in a place where God can use you powerfully. And he looks across the divide into his heavenly home And he says, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And then Paul says, it's not just about me. He said, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Spiritual tranquility will keep your heart at peace all the way to the end of your race. So, take your focus off the trouble that surrounds you and fix your thoughts on godly things. You can't control the troubles that are in your life. You can control what you focus on. And instead of being discouraged by the troubles of this day, look for ways to love others in Jesus' name and watch how God uses it. When troubles surround you, how do you respond? Don't let what you can't do keep you from what you can do for the glory of God. Our Father, thank you for encouraging us With the life of the great Apostle Paul, help us to be faithful in the way that he was faithful. Help us to put aside our own personal preferences and pride and help us to focus our life on Jesus and the gospel. In the name of our Savior, we pray. Amen.